Hello, it's another download, another podcast from your friends at Books of the Year. We are very much your friends. I mean, we do say this all the time. And if you you bump into us in the street, why don't you buy us a Christmas present? Whoa, what an excellent idea. People stopping us in the street and talking about drones and buying us presents. Fabulous. Big fan of that. uh, You're a big fan of Christmas as well. In fact, I'm surprised you're not in your Christmas jumper. Yes. My instinct is by the time this podcast goes out, there will be a wreath on my front door and I will already be putting up the lights. I cannot get enough of Christmas. I love it. Put up a really nice wreath a few years ago and it got stolen. Well, it's because of the dodgy part of North London where you live, I would say. What Christmas joy do you get? I mean, that's kind of a... I mean, it was a nice wreath and everything. Oh, right. Did it have lights on it? No, it was, you know, had holly and everything else. Okay. Well, my wreath will have lights flashing... Uh, Neighbours love uh, how many lights I put up. They're big, big fans of uh, of how nutty I go for Christmas in late November. We nail it to the door <laughs> <laughs> and have more holly than anything else. CCTV. With a few, with a few thorns and stinging nettles. Have they got a stinging nettle wreath? That's hardly very festive, is it? Anyway, stand by for uh, a Q&A with Edward Brook Hitching, uh, who's talked about the golden atlas which we did a couple of days ago crest of cow wizards of once twice magic thanks for all the feedback we would love to hear from you uh, you can tweet us at books of the year and the email is books of the year at yahoo.com jackie Karonka, listening to the latest wonderful five star podcast is it me or does lee child sound a little like johnny walker i, no, I, I didn't get that one well i, I guess yeah. he the He's a little bit American, isn't he? Because he's essentially, he's English, but he's lived in America for so long, he has that kind of Atlantic twang. And I guess Johnny, being a 60s DJ. Yes. Art, a now, little bit. I know what you're saying, Jackie. Yes. I, I, when we were talking previously about our favourite correspondents, another correspondent that we uh, both are big fans of is John Murray. And John Murray mentioned to me when we were talking about Lee Child, he said, it was a pity we didn't talk about how Lee Child includes Aston Villa players in his books because he was an Aston Villa fan and would put Aston Villa players in, into his works. Uh, Jeremy Fisher says, um, lol, on my flight, listening to the Lee Child interview. Brilliant, by the way. Yes. When you joked about my name, Jeremy Fisher. Uh, parents said, they didn't know. So this is Jeremy Fisher, who we we would maintain that his parents absolutely knew they were go, they were calling him Jeremy Fisher after the Beatrix Potter character, but apparently not. Uh, great news about the new series. Can't wait. P.S. I have my own currency and has tweeted three fifty p pieces with Jeremy Fisher. Oh right, okay. That, that is, yes. I think I think that's what the details. Suggest. Oh right, I see. Yes. Well, uh, and then someone who appears to be called Gene Parmesan. Great name. Yeah. Uh, a fun fact taken from Books of the Year. Lee Child drinks 30 to 40 large cups of coffee on a writing day. He has two coffee machines on the go, so he's never without and doesn't stop drinking till just before bedtime. I've told so many people yeah. this uh, story and everyone's reaction is exactly the same as our reaction, which is jaw-dropping, that anyone can can survive uh, and not have a heart that's just given out. Well, yeah. I mean, I, after I get past 10, I'd be a nightmare. Neil H uh, uh, asks, the question is now, how much time does he spend on the toilet on a writing day? If that was me, I'd be backwards and forwards all day. Nice little insight into Neil H's life there. Uh, Robin Ince, who's a very funny guy and uh, uh, a good science brain, mm. does all that work with Prof Brian Cox. Yes, no, big fan. In the Infinite Monkey Cage. And Robin Ince tweeted, with the delightful exception of Six Music, surprised at the impossibility of getting on anything at all to discuss my book. (laughs) The only TV show that was up for it enjoys repeatedly cancelling on me. Enjoys it. Uh, Yes. So, 
I don't know. I think that uh, I mean we we've suggested that we could we we will take him. Absolutely. I mean I'm a little uh, put out that Robin wasn't already on the phone to us demanding to be on the podcast, but uh, we're happy to be that life belt for him. You know. Yes. And uh, he, so he's always very entertaining. So we'll have a look at his book and, we, and we'll we'll try and do a Christmas special. A Christmas special with Robin Ince. Yes. I mean, not that he's... I mean, because he, he, he does that um, carols and readings for, for the godless. Yes. So we the, could do a, the god, godless. a godless Christmas <laughs> podcast with Robin Ince. Yes. Uh, nature of the festivities. Um, oh, th- there's a great um, BBC Sounds. I don't know whether you've heard about BBC Sounds. I think it's very, it's very much gone on under the radar as far as I'm concerned. Barely anyone's talking about it. But BBC Sounds uh, have, have been asking, is there a podcast that's ever made you laugh out loud in public? If yes, which one? To which our friend Colin Udall replied, yes, often. Uh, Matt Williams gets me going every time on these Books of the Year podcast. And uh, he even includes a, a review for us, which is a picture of the 80s band Five Star. Five Stars, excellent. Yeah, I, I did a, a this little that promo thing for BBC Sounds. I'm in it. Yes, I've seen it. Me, you and Mark. Me yeah. and Kermit. And there's now an edited version. I don't know if you've seen the edited version. It went out on Sunday night. Okay, no. In which I I had to work really hard to get my words in, which are, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's uh-huh. all I say. And I've been edited out. You're out. You're cutting That's room it. floor. I am actually oh. not in it. I mean, so, you know. Hours. I wonder what that predicts for the new year. <laughs> well, can't be any worse than. Anyway, let's move on. Anyway, so here, here comes another top Q&A. So here we go with a, 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 another legendary question and answer session uh, with Edward Brook Hitching and Cressida Cowell, Wizards of Once and the Golden Atlas. You've already heard about all their wares. Uh, now let's delve a little bit deeper. Question number one. Cresta, do you want to go first? The last book you really, really enjoyed. And the second really is actually important because it's not just a book you enjoyed. It's a book you really, really enjoyed. Okay, I'm not very good at just saying one. <laughs> so I'm just going to say gonna... Go a few. Um, novel, um, Sebastian Barry's Days Without End, poetic, heartbreaking. Oh, it's just marvellous. Um, light novel, Elephant and an Elephant is completely fine. I adored that. Yeah, It's much lighter, wonderful. And putting you in the mind of somebody who thinks in a bit of a different way. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. Um, uh at biography, um, Ma'am Darling by Craig Brown, which is a biography of Princess Margaret. It's so funny, really, really, really? enjoyable. Oh. And sort of and, and breaks the mould a bit. He goes off on he riffs on, on kind of things that might not have happened. I mean, I love it. Very, very um uh, sparky. Um The Hidden Life of Trees, which is just out. It's a big coffee table book. Um he, he wrote a much longer one. Um, which is harder to read, but it's fascinating about the hidden life of trees and tells you all sorts of interesting facts facts about how trees support one another and um, how they transfer information via their roots and uh, makes you think about, you know, trees live life in the, in the slow rain, but, are, you know, do they still think? And you know, it's it's very, very interesting book, Hidden Life of Trees, so I'd really recommend that. Okay. Cookery book, uh, I'm so greedy. Are we going to go through every single sorry, category? So, but this is just coming up for Christmas. <laughs> I'm that, graphic novel, go on. Yes, no, Edward is looking I'm, really worried I'm now. Sorry, <laughs> 
Sorry, Edward. But honestly, Ottolenghi is simple because Ottolenghi is quite complicated. And I don't know about you, but I don't have five different types of sumac in my cupboard. But this is really, really simple, wonderful recipes and really, really good for, for a greedy, greedy person in your life like me. Okay. <laughs> so there is we that, go. Is that all you've got? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God. Edward, come on. I'm going to expect about eight books from you. Um, yeah, I've, I've, one really just came to mind because uh, after I was working on this um, histories of exploration I was wanted to find out more about um, women explorers because there's really oh, very few mentions and if you ask people if you can name how many can you name most people can't really. I can name a couple now that I've read your book yeah oh so. great okay well um yeah and especially pre-20th century it gets much harder so there's an amazing book um, by Jane Robinson from 1990 called Wayward Women, Ooh. which is she's a, she was a book dealer, so she um, came across really rare travel journals by women when there was this massive craze in the late Victorian era for women who wanted to go and see these things that they'd only been allowed to read about. Um, and so it's full of the most. It, it's what I should say is it's incredibly funny. Um, it's yeah. like a, a sort of a female version of rogues, villains, and eccentrics. You know, it's William yeah, Donaldson yeah. style. Um, and so there's books of um, like um, stories of Mary Kingsley who fell down into a into an animal trap and was saved by her thick Victorian skirt and the spikes <laughs> and things like that. And it's got a great slant on the history. That's um, superb. Yeah, and it gives the name and title. The title and the title is Wayward Women by Jane Robinson. Excellent. Um, is there a book you remember being read to you as a child? I remember every book that was read to me as a child, which is why I go out and, and tell parents and adults and teachers to go out and, and read as, as much as possible to children. It's a fantastic way to get children reading. So, um, uh, as I say, teachers, you know, I remember the endless step, steppy. How do you pronounce steppy? Step. Russian. Oh, yeah. It's about yeah. um, a kid growing up in a um, concentration, a, a concentration camp in, in, in Siberia. Um, it's a huge effect on me. Yeah. Um, that book read by a teacher. Um, my mother read um, uh, the, the Jungle Book. They're just so stories. The great mm. grey, greasy banks of the Limpopo River. Yeah. And the mouthfeel of those words just went into my brain. And the, I remember Pooh Bear. I remember her reading those stories. And just the, the, the enjoyment, the joy of laughing about you know, the pompousness of rabbit. And that thing of in, being very close to your child, and you know the, the book that makes your you know parent laugh or your parent cry, sends a really important message to your kid that um, books are special. Books can have the power to make my mum cry or my dad laugh. You know, mm. uh, and so I always encourage um, parents to read to their children way before the age they can read for themselves, way beyond the age they can read for themselves. Edward, same question. Well, I, I wish I'd had Cressida's books when I was a child. I wish I'd had the How to Train Your Dragon movies <laughs> as well, because they're so moving. I mean, they're incredible. I know. You must be thrilled that's how I, they turned that's out. Why I love that. well, that's why I love them, because I love books that move you, and, and the same with films. And right. it's quite rare for, a, for, a, for an animated Absolutely. film to make you to make you cry yeah. and, to, and to move you into it. Yeah, yeah, well, the one really that, that uh, reminded me of it that made such a sort of uh, impact on my imagination when I was little was um, a book by Ted Hughes, it was illustrated by one of your guests, Chris Riddell, um, called yeah. Fangs the Vampire Bat and the Kiss of Truth. Which <laughs> yeah, There's a good title. It's amazing. Yeah, Fangs with two Fs. Um, and it's just about the story of a little vampire looking for love, but everywhere he goes, people run away screaming. Um, oh. But because it's Ted Hughes, it has this logic of, uh, it's like wandering through a nightmare. And very strange things happen, but as a kid, you're just sucked along with it and it really fires your, your mind up. It's incredible. Yeah. Who read that to you? Um, I think my mum started and it just got a bit too weird, so my dad finished it off. 
It was too weird for your mum, or too yes, weird for you because so. your mum was reading it. I think there were questions of suitability. So my dad. Oh, <laughs> really? So they carried on reading it to you, but your dad had to do it. Yeah, from what I remember, I, I probably made them do it again and again several times. You know how you, yeah, yeah, you yeah, do yeah. with your parents. I remember reading the Machine Gunners to Child One, I think, and skipping over the the swearing just because he was like seven or something. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> and, fair enough. And I thought, well, you know, you are, you know, it's probably just best if we skip this. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, th- I, I reckon, in fact, there'd be a lot, if, if I reckon there'd be a lot of people who get in touch with us, actually, and say, it'd be quite interesting to know if there's any censoring that parents do uh, when reading books that, overwhelmingly, it's a good book to read, but that, yeah. I'll just miss that chapter. Yeah. yeah. Just skip that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. today, there are still movies sometimes I watch on television uh that I'll suddenly realise, oh my God, there's a love scene in this movie. And it's because when my dad was recording them, he would pause the VHS to cut out anything unsuitable and censor it as he went along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, and then you show Ghostbusters to your kids, you forget quite how yeah. rude it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, all, uh, all the way through. Anyway, if there is any censoring but, but that you do, think, I'd like to hear. But don't you think mm-hmm. it just goes over their heads? Because I didn't think it was rude the first time I watched it. Yeah, yeah there's, I don't there's know. little room for doubt oh, in, uh, so. in Ghostbusters. <laughs> anyway, if, if you've I was, done, I was rewatch. If you've done some reading to your kid and you and you sense it, it'd be very interesting to hear. You can drop us an email, Books of the Year at yahoo.com. Is there a book that you would like to step inside of, Cressida? Ah, um, uh, it might be that there isn't. But no, there are many. All through my life, you know, when I was little, Wizard of Earthsea was a book that I really, I mean, I wanted to be magic so much. The kid in that, um, Jed, gets sent to a school, um, you know, where you can learn about magic and have your stuff. I mean, that's a huge inspiration for me and a, and a world I wanted to be in. And also the archipelago aspect, because I grew up in partly in an archipelago, an island archipelago, that really resonated. So I was sort of living. I mean, now, the moment. <sighs> At the moment, because my father recently died, and um, and and as a result, I'm very much rereading books where I feel for, for escapism, <laughs> books that I love where where everything like Georgette Hare and um, I reread it constantly because I want to be back in that world, and that's a real function that books have. I think a real comfort that that books have um, for yeah. Edward, is there a book that you'd like to? Disappear into. Um, yeah, I, I, I um, buy every book that Haruki Murakami brings out. And mm. because he, in his, in his world, there's always a very thin layer between the reality and, and, and things start getting surreal. Um, and so it might, it might be as easy as just going to Japan, but um, to be inside his Japan where, where, you know, there are cats talking to you and advising you on how to make the great spaghetti and you can <laughs> sit on benches outside Shinjuku Station and see things that aren't quite right happening um, would be amazing. Now, I've, I've noticed a theme with the next question we're going to ask with previous authors. I'm not going to tell you what that theme is until you've answered, but I'm going to be very intrigued by your answer. Is there an ending to a book that you would like to change? Yes, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Oh, that's come up, that's come up before. Yeah. Yes. Why? What's wrong with it? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it feels like it's going to be this wonderful, tragic novel. I mean, I think it, it, could, it could either be happy or it could be tragic. Uh, for me, it would be more satisfying if it was tragic because it, 
it, it sort of spoke to it, and Captain Corelli was this wonderful character. He is this marvellous character and you you want him to die, not because you're mean, but because that will represent the tragedy of the Second World War. So you or, so, so that's the you changing wanted, you'd make? You'd, that's you'd, the you'd change I would make because it, it would feel more okay. consistent with the whole of the rest of the novel. Um, the thing, of course, I secretly like is for it to all have a happy ending. Yeah. But to have the thing in the middle... It's really frustrating. Um, I think, you know, it's just really annoying. Uh, and it spoilt it for me because I think that's a wonderful, wonderful novel. Okay. Um, uh, I'm more selfish in that I'd like to save someone, not to make the book yeah, better. Yeah, but no, it would I know. I would know if that's what childhood. I would like, but yeah. I think it would be more, as a novel, it would, it would feel more complete. Yeah. And, and more right because of the tragedy of the Second World War. I mean, I know, wishful thing, you want, you want N- them to no, live. That, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, when I read um, The Outsiders, you know, S.E. Hinton's mm. book, when she was 18, I think, or oh, something God. crazy. <laughs> um, but there's, uh, it might be a spoiler alert for The Outsiders, but um, one of the greasers, one of the gang, towards the end, um, points a gun that he knows isn't loaded at the police and he's killed. And when I read that as a, like a young teenager, I, it was, I, I just, it broke me. I just started burst into tears. And um, so maybe <laughs> purely for selfish reasons, changing that ending would have, might have made me like a less devastated child for a while. <laughs> so not have him point the gun, not have him killed. M- maybe, maybe they could like clip him in the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is there a book you'd like to write the sequel to, Cressida? Uh, not one of yours, obviously, because you've written a few sequels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and this is such an interesting question, and and I often I got I've been asked quite a lot to write sequels to books. This seems to be something that happens quite a bit, um, and I've always said no um, because I just feel to it feels almost like an encroachment on on somebody else's work and somebody else's imagination. Mm. I do, I, I've always said no. Um, I don't know about... It's really interesting. Would you like to write a sequel to a book? No. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it's a book that you really admire, you're trying to almost compete or trying to... Yeah, I find it so hard. And also I've got so many books to write myself that I haven't got... I haven't got time. Oh, well, that's true, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I fantasise about being offered the job to write a follow-up to uh, some non-fiction books, like, like as I mentioned... Non-fiction. R- r- non-fiction, I think, because then the material is less dependent on yeah. my imagination. Yeah. And you can still do the same kind of level of research. But as I mentioned, uh, Rogues, Villains and Eccentrics, which is the funniest non-fiction book I've yeah. ever read, and it's just a Bible, especially um, working on each new QI season, where that's mm. the first book I turn to to find really strange... Um, British eccentrics, people who married their parrots and things like that. Um, and so I love, I know, I know that doesn't sound like a priority. Um, but I love the idea of being someone, a publisher saying, yeah, well, why don't you um, look back at the last 20 years and, and just update it? That would be the wow. dream job. Absolutely. Now, obviously, you will finish every book that you read, but being as we are in the circle of honesty here, Cressida, how long do you give a book before you go, this isn't for me? I'm talking in in terms of pages. How long before you go, this is just not working, come on, I've got other things to do? I'm quite ruthless regarding books. Good, go on. Unless I'm judging something for a prize or something, Uh because then I really feel I have to, you know... How ruthless? I'm pretty ruthless. If it's not, if it's not keeping my attention, if it's not, 
if it's not, yeah, I, I will put it down. I don't think books should become a chore. A chapter? I, I think if they... Talk, <laughs> we have had really that. So, someone did yeah. say a chapter. <laughs> I'll give it, it a chapter. It does depend on the book. I do think that... It, 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 it's interesting because I, I will... I have got a, a long attention span. I have read Clarissa, which is kind of really long. I mean, I read English literature. So I'm not... I'm at a university. So I'm not... Um, you know, I have, I've got a good attention span. But if something isn't gripping gripping me for whatever reason, I will be ruthless. I will just put it down because there's so many books to mm. read that are wonderful and that are, you know, got, there's so many books I haven't read um, that, that, I, that, I, that I will be absolutely ruthless. And I, th- I think I always tell parents, don't make your child ever finish a book because that's one really quick way to make books a chore, to make them like school, like, you know, because, yeah. So, so no, I'm very ruthless. I think I'm, I'm like you with, with fiction. Um, and I can tell very quickly. It's a bit like watching a movie. The first shot, sometimes you think, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. Mm. And with fiction, I'll, I'll give it a few pages. If it's a very difficult style of writing that I know is I'm just going to find jagged the whole way through, I will take the attitude of life's too short. You know, I'd r- much rather be reading something enjoyable. But with nonfiction, I can read and, and finish everything. Um, because, Do you make yourself finish? Do you say I have to? Uh, you sort what of, happens if it's really not gripping you? I, I sort of you engage a different part of your brain. I think it's because so so much for um, for for QI, but also researching books, you just turn into a kind of fact vacuum cleaner, and you're not worried about the style of writing. You just notice the facts surrounded by everything. Surrounded what if by the, the facts aren't very good? Uh, <laughs> that yeah, that could be a problem. But it's still, you, but you have to carry on. You have to think. Yeah. Well, maybe there's a good one right at the end. What is the first book you bought with your own money? And do you remember? Well, obviously, do you remember the first book you bought with your own money? <laughs> um, I can't remember exactly the, the the book, but we used to be taken to secondhand shop and given a bit of pocket money to buy books. And I do remember buying Enid Blyton's with my own money. And the reason for that was is that my my uh, my mother wouldn't let me read them <laughs> because why not? And not for excellent reasons like that, that they were. I mean, I think I'd have understood if she said uh, they're they're slightly racist, racist <laughs> exactly. Or no, not for those reasons. She said they were badly written. It was interesting. I know. And I just badly written? I mean, what is this? I don't understand. <laughs> I just didn't understand that. So I, 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 I bought a lot of Indian Blytons and, yeah. Probably those, Edward. Yeah. And oh, I became obsessed with um, the Hardy Boys, Franklin W. Oh, yeah. Dixon, and then Nancy Drew. Yeah. And I had no idea at the time how old they were from the 20s and also that they were produced in a factory of authors. Really? Frank, I, I was obsessed with Franklin W. Dixon. I pictured him in my head. And it turns out it was just the brainchild of a publisher called Edward Stratmeyer who would pay journalists, you know, 50 bucks, young struggling journalists who would churn these books out. It made sense because they did produce hundreds. Yeah. Um, but I still have them all at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I spend all my pocket money on on. So, is there a book, and we will silently judge you if you answer no to this, but is there a book that you ever used to impress someone, Cressida? Because we've all done it. Come on, don't give me that look. You have absolutely used a book to try to impress someone. I really, you really, really can't oh, come think. On. Okay, explain the explain the question. So to you me. just how happen to I, have a copy of Sartre in your bag? Oh, oh, how did this get in here? How sophisticated Look, and have... interesting I am. <laughs> the remembrance okay. of time. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. I have never. Yeah. <laughs> no, the thing is, the one thing I genuinely think this is quite interesting about my education is that. I, the one, one of the good things about it was that I don't, I really 
really never read to impress anybody. And I, I, I mean, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I, I read Calvin Hobbes or whatever. I mean, I've never read, I never have tried to impress anybody <laughs> with the, the. I was a very geeky child. I was genuinely interested in <laughs> in reading Inside the Third Right by whatever. And also I was stuck on this island, you know, in the middle of Scotland. So, you know, there was nothing, there was no television. So I did a lot of that reading. Just so I didn't, I didn't, I really didn't read to impress anyone. Oh, you're so above the rest of us. <laughs> no, I'm, Come not, on, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. Edward, be honest with us. Um, I, I did know a man called Louis who would walk around everywhere carrying a giant leather bound antique book tied in a silk scarf. And once when I asked him, What is this book? He said, Oh, I, I don't know. It was like a prop. He just it made him look good. So it's that kind of, that's the extreme level. I like that. But, My kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I realised I did have the classic uh, David Foster Wallace book out in public, but only because it's propping up my television. <laughs> it's the perfect thickness um, for my sort of eye level. Um, but uh, that question, I mean, I, I don't think I've done it deliberately maybe, but um, the best thing about having your first book done in terms of making an impression is... Um, when you go home and it's on your parents' bookshelf. Oh yes, um, okay. Maybe that that yeah. My, my writing it's oh, stretching gosh. the writing the, your own book question. and maybe that impressing okay your parents. That <clears throat> might be. Yeah, Would that count? Oh. Yes. Yeah. Would okay. That count? Count? That count? Maybe Is it's there a boy oh. thing? Do you think it's a boy thing? Which which book do you wish you'd written? <laughs> okay. <laughs> which book? Do you, which is book there a book you that wish, you wish you'd written? Is there a book? Oh, buckets of books that I wish I had written. I mean, so many. Oh, children's book Holes by Louis Sacha, perfectly mm. written book, exquisitely mm. put together. I mean, so many books. Middlemarch, works of Shakespeare. I mean, you know, all um, of Dickens, all, all, all of the yeah, <laughs> whole lot. I mean, oh dear, what what? Um, late Wobegon days. I mean, it's so difficult. How 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 do you choose which one? Well, it's lovely to have a, a a moment of professional jealousy isn't it like when with wonder I read wonder and thought oh wow this is a really good book RJ Palacio yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wish I'd written that um, and again you know Sebastian Barry Days Without End you oh wow this is lyrical this Edward is marvellous this is yeah it's a lovely moment when you read a book that you wish yeah and I, I was thinking because I don't know if you saw this weekend the magician Ricky Jay passed away American magician one of the best in the world um, he was also you recognise him from movies but he was also the world's greatest card thrower he could slice mm -hmm. watermelons with card, mm -hmm. playing cards but he wrote he was also a historian of magic and um, entertainers from history bizarre entertainers you know sort of um, people who sort of swallowed stones and could spit fire and and he did a book called Learned Pigs and Fireproof Women um, because he had the world's greatest collection of these broadsides um, that I think then he donated to a museum in America. Um, but it's the most beautiful book. It's just a celebration of every strange person who had an idea to make an alternative living. Oh, yes, and The Year in the Life of William Shakespeare. Have you read that one? Um, uh, oh, that's a wonderful book. Um, uh, which just it looks at Shakespeare in a completely different kind of a way. Um, oh, now, I can't remember who wrote it, though, now. Um, anyway, but that's a wonderful... Yeah. I, I love it when somebody writes something in a completely different way. Like, everybody's written endless books about Shakespeare, but, you know, 
when somebody writes something totally different with a new angle. And, yeah. If you would like to hear uh, Edward Brooke Hitching talking about the Golden Atlas and Cressida Kale talking about Wizards of Once and all the other stuff, uh, then if you go back to your podcast list, you'll find that as our previous episode and you can hear it all from there. Thanks to Cressida and Edward for another fine question and answer session. What, let me just check with the editor what, what we're doing next. What we're doing next, editor? Ah, we're talking to the esteemed John Simpson. Yes, indeed. Foreign Affairs Editor? Foreign Affairs Editor. There is a, uh, well, I'm not going to reveal now, obviously, what my questions to John Simpson are going to be, but uh, there are a number of things brought up by this book that I found yes. particularly interesting. Particularly when he's rampaging, his, well, his character is complaining about his bosses. Yes! And the way journalists are not respected anymore. Yes, I mean, his character is not clear whether this character works for the BBC. However, the management of the particular media organisation he works for, they don't come out of it very well. No. Mm. Mm, I wonder why. Mm. Anyway, that's to come on the next podcast from Books of the Year. Don't forget to get in touch. You can tweet at Books of the Year and you can email books of the year at yahoo.com. And you can uh, obviously try and get some of our merch, which obviously we are completely commercially unavailable to bring you just yet, but we will at some point. Yeah, look out for that. Hello, I'm Violet Manners, and welcome to Hidden Heritage the podcast that brings you inside Great Britain's favourite destinations. From the same team that brought you the number one history podcast, Duchess, Hidden Heritage will uncover the fascinating stories behind the UK's brightest, shining hidden gems. You'll hear from top experts in British heritage, including custodians, historians, artisans, experts, and even the craftsmen and restorers who've worked on some of the most celebrated historic buildings. We will share the untold and unique stories that celebrate UK heritage. From landmarks to architecture, artefacts to myths and legends, Hidden Heritage will highlight a side to British history you have never seen before. I'm your host, Violet Manners, and founder of Heritage X, and I invite you all to join us on this exciting journey. This is Hidden Heritage. You can find Hidden Heritage wherever you listen to your podcasts.